Welcome to And for Off the Block, your weekly podcast for college men's volleyball. And now here's your host, Off the Block editor, Vinny Lips. Hey everyone, so happy that you are checking out the podcast. In this episode, we talk to Penn State men's volleyball head coach as we delve into a wide variety of topics, including just... You know, what this training block is looking like for his team, especially with a bunch of players not being able to get into the gym that much during the offseason because of the coronavirus pandemic. And then looking forward at 2021 and what may be there in that season. So lots of good stuff to talk about. As with Pav, he's always very thoughtful with his answers, really gives us some great insight. So we hope that you are able to enjoy this interview. Once again, everyone, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe this podcast wherever you get it. And also continue to check out our website, offtheblogblog.com, as we continue to provide you the latest updates in college men's volleyball. And we're now joined by Penn State men's volleyball head coach, Mark Pavlik. And Pav, it's a question that I ask every coach. This has been an off-season like no other, hopefully an off-season that we'll never experience again. So can you just describe what this 2020 off-season has been for you and Penn State since we last saw you guys in California in March? Yeah, we flew back from California to the news that uh, the season was basically ended, and we we tried to keep the guys together, uh, tried to make sure that our seniors felt appreciated at that point and, and then headed into the summer. And, you know, one of the things that we tried to do in the summer is make it as normal as possible. And we don't do a ton of, of team communication in the summer. The guys are spread out, they're working, they're playing, they're, you know, they're doing things that they got to do with their families. So we would, we would touch base with them probably once every two, three weeks and check in. I checked in with the leadership of the group and everybody seemed to be doing fine and everybody was waiting for, you know, what the the fall was to look like. And eventually when that coalesced and we knew we were going to be back, uh, you know, the big, the big issue was trying to keep everybody safe from the virus and, um, Unfortunately, we had our fair share of guys testing positive. I can't say enough about the medical protocols that Penn State has put into place and the leadership that Sandy Barber has given the athletic department and our our head of sports med, Wayne, Dr. Wayne Sebastianelli, and, and Renee Messina, our head trainer. They are doing a yeoman's job even as we speak then that uh, – trying to do everything to keep our student athletes as well as well prepared and as well uh, protected as they can. And, uh, you know, the, the hoops that we're jumping through are safety hoops right now. And uh, our guys uh, seem to be responding pretty well with it. Um, we've been able to be back in the gym in the last two weeks with the full squad, uh, trying to get some work done and, it was, it was real interesting. I was, uh, Rick McLaughlin and I were talking the other day and, uh, I said to Rick, I said, you know, day one in our gym with the full group, you could tell there were some guys that pro- that, that the seven month layoff has hurt. Said so we weren't very good, but it was probably 
the worst practice that I've ever been the happiest at. Just to hear our guys have the joy in their voices of doing something that they love to do, being around each other, you know, the, the on-court banter, the, the practice banter that that is so much part of, of just just being on a team, uh, the laughter after everything we've been through, it was so refreshing for me uh, to to hear that going on. And even though I couldn't see him smile because you know we're practicing in masks and masks and gaiters, um, you could just tell the, the bounce in their step. It was so good to have this team together again, and, and I'm, I'm probably speaking for the the vast majority of men's volleyball coaches out there. Uh, finally, when they finally get everybody back together, there's just something very cathartic that that you look at at your group and, and the kids that you want uh, in the gym, and it's just it's so much fun to watch them having fun. Now, if we can get better at the at the volleyball stuff, that's going to be a bonus this year. <laughs> right, well, Coach, I want to uh, jump back really quick to to, to something that, that you mentioned. I want to hit or follow up on a couple parts of that. Um, you know, first I you know you alluded to, or you said that a couple of your players um, tested positive. Why don't just ask for you as a coach because and a person, you know, you care about all the players that are on your team. How scary is that for you to hear that one of your players tests positive? Because obviously this is something different from an ankle injury or anything like that. Yeah, and you're talking to a guy who lost his brother-in-law to COVID also when this thing happened. So uh, there's an awareness, there's a, there's a fear uh, that permeates certainly my decision-making, you know, even though the age group that our guys are in seem to be uh, an age group that recovers from it, you just never know. We, there's so much that's not known about this this virus that I, I'm still worried what's going to happen to the guys that test positive, even though they're playing and they seem fine. What's the long-term impact? Uh, you know, do, is it respiratory? Is it circulatory, what's going to happen when, you know, they hit my age? Is, will something be taken away from them? Uh, and, and I hope not. Uh, I I really, really want our guys to, to understand, hey, this is, you know, the wearing of masks, the social distancing, the washing of hands, the staying away from groups, especially in densely packed air, you know, indoor areas where, uh, the the airflow isn't great. It's an investment in your future. You stay healthy, be able to be 60, and and still have a gym voice, and you know, do things like that. So, yeah, there's there's that concern for me, um, and I hopefully the guys are are understanding of what we're doing and why we're trying to do that for them. Coach, I want also you talk kind of about getting everyone back in the gym and the practice and the practices as expected. There's going to be a little bit of rust. And I want to ask for for you as a coach as you're starting to do this. Is there anything that you change in terms of just kind of the fall training, kind of the practice regiments, things along those lines? When obviously these players are, are going to have some rust and haven't been able to play like they typically would for the last seven months. Yeah, and I think what we've tried to do is we've tried to bring along. You know, return to play uh, procedure that doesn't throw them into the fire right out, right off the bat. Uh, 
We've tried to be pretty intelligent with our decisions with how much jumping, how much arm swing is in there. Um, our, and our, our athletic trainer, Mark Colapetro, has been just wonderful with, uh, with following the guidelines that uh, our, our training crew and our, our athletic medical people have come up with. And, and I think we've been following that, and the guys have been responding very nicely. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't include our strength and conditioning, which Mike Schroeder, uh, as being part of that, too. You just can't go into the weight room and all of a sudden, you know, start to throw stacks of weights around uh, when you haven't had the opportunity to do it over the course of, of the last, you know, four, five, six, seven months. So um, we've, we've adjusted that way, but more in terms of ramp-up. Uh, but I also think we've been kind of used to that over the last two years. We've been uh, – we did that – when we came back in, so we had a we had a template in place on on how to bring our guys along uh, in the most efficient manner possible to get them to where they are right now. I want to ask you about a couple players um, on your roster. I'm first starting with um, Cal Fisher. You know, this was a player I think the you know um, average college men's volleyball fan really hadn't heard of him too much. You know, he really came on the scene you know, in February and March of the 2020 season. So can you just talk a little bit about Cal? First one, what stood out for you, you know, when you were recruiting him, having come part of the team, and how you feel that he's come along as a player? Uh, he had, uh, when, when we were recruiting him and we watched him, we, we loved his athletic ability. We loved his quickness. It seems to me that the men's game anymore, you need to have more athletic guys. We're, and that that can move pretty quickly. Speeds is becoming paramount in the men's game. Ball control is becoming even, you know, it's always been important, but if you have great ball control and you can get to point A to point B pretty quickly, you can put some pressure on uh, on some people across the net. Um, Fish could do everything. He set for his – and, and number one, his high school didn't have a voice team. So he played for a neighboring high school's junior year and set for them. And he played for uh, a club team that was coached by Dan Shaw, who was uh, a former captain uh, of, of ours. And, and Dan had said that he was the best passer in their group. And, you know, we brought Fish in. Uh, his sisters played professionally. Uh, Mom had a great high school career and, and um played in Western Pennsylvania for one of the legendary high school girls coaches, the PA. Um, Dad has been very active and has been a longtime player. So Fish grew up with it. There's a, there's a lineage there that I think is, is playing itself out in front of us that uh, is, is probably something that you would, you would like to say you expect, but it's probably gone. His, his, or his trajectory has gone beyond what we expected as quickly as it has. Um, we can play him at opposite. We can play him at left side. He could be a libero for us and, and shoot. Even if we needed him to set, I would have no problem throwing him in and, and say, okay, you know, have at it. But uh, you know, and he's one of those guys that works hard in the gym. He's, he's always smiling. He's fun to be around. Uh, I, Great teammate, uh, really good student. Uh, 
everything you'd want in a in a player. If there was if there was anything that I wish I could do for him, is probably give him another six to eight inches. But he's he's doing awfully well at, the, at where he's at right now. Yeah. I imagine you want to do that for every single one of your players. Give them an extra six to eight inch hit. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind looking up a little bit higher <laughs> at their faces every so often. Well, Coach, talk about your pin attack as well and your pin hitters. I want to ask you about Brett Wildman as well. And, you know, funny, you know, um, about 18 months ago, it would have been like, ah, oh, you know, he's the freshman, you know, the up and coming. But now, you know, he's going to his junior season. So I want to ask, you know, for him, you know, obviously on the court he's been a leader. How is he – do you feel that he's adapting also off the court as well now that he's one of the upperclassmen and, you know, being a leader, you know, off the court as well, not saying that he wasn't earlier in his career? Yeah, and I, I think those are things that uh, the the players that find on-court success early and really get comfortable with being people to be counted on in practice and in games, it's, it's not as easy as I think some people would like to think to say, okay, you're a leader now. Uh, and I think Brett's done a, a great job of understanding how his interaction with younger guys, uh, there's not too many older guys on the team anymore, but uh, he he was someone that what he says and how he says it lends credibility to his ideas. And then you get him on the court and you see how hard he works and in the weight room how hard he works. And I think people just naturally gravitate to him. He's got a great personality. He's so much fun to be around. And uh, I think he's got a real good sense of here's what I need to do to be better and here's what I need to do to make people around me better. So, you know, with, with Brett, he's fallen in nicely in that leadership role. Um, and it's, it's, not, it's not the Brett Wildman show. But Brett knows that he's got to bring some other people like Fish, like Will Bantle, um, along with him, and you know Sam Marsh and those guys, and uh, and I think they they're serving each other very well, and in turn serving the team pretty well. And talking about you know talk a little bit about some of the players as well, and talking about um, your setter Cole, you know Cole Bugner, you know talking about. Obviously, we saw him, you know, really take that starting position last year or two. Going into this season, though, I want to ask, do you feel that, you know, say maybe a little bit more, do you feel that it could be an additional challenge just given the layoff and everything and having to reacclimate to, to all the players? Yeah, I, I think that's a very good point, Vin, and I think that's something that we were aware of coming into this. Uh, I think at this point over the last he, certainly over the last eight or nine practices where we've had everybody in the gym and uh, when we were able to get Cole back uh, after, you know, the quarantine because he was around somebody that had, had COVID, had tested positive, uh, we're, we're spending a lot of time giving the setters a lot of touches. And, and specifically for that reason, new guys on the team, we have eight, Eight new freshmen, um, you know, it's it's a totally different team than it was last year. So uh, I agree with with your point of, hey, we got to make sure that we get as much time with the setters 
setting their hitters and getting to know their hitters as uh, as probably any other season or the start of any other season that I've been part of. And as typical every year, you have a deep roster, lots of talent, bringing in some freshmen this year. Do you feel that there's any people in your freshman class that we could be seeing potentially in the starting lineup throughout the season? Uh, I think there's, I think there's a couple. Uh, I think there are guys that, and and you got to temper that right now because, you know, it's because of the seven month layoff, some of the freshmen had come in from areas where they had still been playing. So, you know, it's, they might be ahead of the curve because they've touched the ball a lot more in the last four or five months than, than some of our guys have, the, the returning vets have. Uh, so you kind of temper that. But, but we like some of the ball control that we see from, which is interesting uh, because I think that's always been the, the area that I've seen guys have to work harder with uh, is the ball control. The, the freshmen coming in have to work ball control a little bit more than the returning vets. You know, they've seen that speed and they kind of know what to expect. But we've got we've got two or three guys that I think can uh, can handle the ball pretty well. We got two or three guys that have some decent arms, and and all of them are they're none of them are a finished product, and. You know, we'll we'll see where we can go with them. But I, I really like our freshman class this year. And, Coach, two broader questions before we let you go here. You know, um, we're nearing November, and obviously no team has re- released their 2021 schedule yet, um, you guys included, obviously. And I know that the EIVA, you guys have had lots of um, meetings and calls really trying to figure out, you know, 2021 and what that schedule is going to look like. Um could you just um, not not into the details, but just to, you know, kind of give us the broad strokes of what are those meetings like as you're gathering with all the EIVA coaches and talking potentially, you know, what could this season look like? Yeah, I, I think the broad brush look at, at that process is you're looking at the current state of affairs with the the coronavirus era here and and the results and the numbers and what's going on nationally and what's going on locally, uh, what's going on on campuses of the teams that make up uh, our respective conferences. Um, Obviously the the big five conferences have had a lot of coverage with their decision to go with football. And, you know, if anybody's gone into the, the details about their medical protocols and what's going on there, uh, you see that it's it's a decision that was not made haphazardly. It, it was made with a lot of science behind it. It was made a, a lot with a lot of medical science behind it with some guys that are a lot brighter than, than I am saying, here's what we can expect and here's how we protect our student athletes. And, and I think, again, when we get into those conversations, that's the top thing that comes to everybody's mind. How do we protect our, our student athletes? You know, we, we certainly don't want to do something that is going to put them in harm's way in any way, shape, or form. And, and, and it's also easy to go to the extremes, right, to say harm's way, somebody gets uh, sick with, with COVID, 
God forbid somebody passes away because of it. But but I think you start to look at what do we mean by making their experience positive. It, it's great if everybody on the team does everything they're supposed to, but if one person in the middle of the season contracts uh, or tests positive, what's going to happen? Are we going to be shut down? Are, are guys going to lose two or three weeks of this season knowing that we lost half of last season? So I think when we're in those league meetings, we're talking about the best way, the best practices to do things, how do we mitigate and minimize uh, any type of, of situation that may occur that could take away from the experience that our guys would have in the EIVA and the MIVA, you know, the Conference Carolinas, Big West, MPSF. Uh, how do we do that? And I don't know if anybody has great answers. Uh, I think we're working our way through it right now in October. Uh, but I also think that the way the scenarios have changed and how quickly they've changed over the past seven months, I wouldn't be surprised if we get more information as uh, November rolls through and, you know, we get administrations of our men's volleyball teams now turning their attention to their men's volleyball programs and saying, oh, Okay, we got to look at that. We got to do this. Um, yeah, I just think everybody's kind of saying, as a general consensus, here's what we'd like to do. Here's maybe how we can do it. We're trying to prepare for those eventual uh, questions coming from our administrators that we know are going to come about medical protocols from our uh, conference members, from the medical protocols from our non-conference members. And men's volleyball is a different animal. I think most administrators uh, look toward a a multi-sport conference administration to say, okay, this is what we're going to do across the conference. We have similar type institutions. We're all comfortable doing this process. That's the one thing you can say about men's volleyball. At the men's volleyball conference level, we do not have similar institutions. We have the big five type institutions, and we have – uh, Division two in a lot of our uh, conferences, and, and how do you how do you get something that will fit into the medical protocols that each and every institution needs and wants to have for their student athletes? It's uh, it's a challenge, and I think the the great thing about men's volleyball is we have prided ourselves on our collaboration across the country. Uh, there's a lot of talk going on, and I, I think we're trying to make sure everybody knows what the steps that are being considered and being taken are. Uh, but it's going to be different, Ben. It's going to be a different situation. I I don't know what it's going to look like, but I will I will venture a guess that it's going to look unlike any other year that we've ever had. And, Coach, final question for you, and I just want to ask a broad – this is a non-volleyball question, but I'd love to get your thoughts because you are a lifelong Pennsylvanian, you know, grew up in the Pittsburgh area, and, you know, right now, obviously, lots of division um, in Pennsylvania right now with um, – we're a couple of days away from a, an election. And I want to ask, you know, do you feel that 
you know, once this is all over, despite the divisions that the people of Pennsylvania will be able to to rally together, um, regardless of the outcome, do you feel that Penn State can have a role in 2021, 2022 and bringing people together in the state? Well, you know, what heartens me, uh, and I think across the country, I, I look at the young people that I'm in the gym with. I look at the young people that uh, that are on our campuses, and I I feel such great hope uh, that the young people have a great vision for what they want their world to be. Um, and I I think not just Penn State, but I think across the country. The young people are the ones that are going to make the difference for us over the course of the next couple of years. Where, you know, let's face it, we're all Americans. You can paint yourself red, you can paint yourself blue, you can paint yourself independent. But our day to day lives, we, we interact with each and every type of people that are out there. And I think that if we can. If we can do what we ask our team to do, right, stay stay with a vision that is going to benefit everybody, let's make sure that we're, we're doing the right things for the right reasons for the right people when they need it. Uh, you know, let's, let's make sure that everybody understands exactly what each other is, is trying to accomplish. And it doesn't make things right or wrong if we – agree or disagree. It just, that's the great thing about this country. We, we have found so many ways to come together on different ideas and, and through different eras. That I'm, I'm hopeful that this, this young group that is coming up through certainly our, uh, our colleges and universities now are going to carry that on. Uh, because I, I think you're right, Vin. I think the divisiveness really just makes any type of progress, it, it just makes it so much tougher. And uh, if you can get everybody understanding what the concerns are, it makes progress better. So, you know, that's my little soapbox there. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed and for off the block, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. For more volleyball coverage throughout the week, visit the off the block website at offtheblockblog.com. You can also find us on all the major social media platforms at off the block 11.